Hi, just a quick disclaimer at the top. My guest Josh today was having some Wi-Fi difficulties, and so we decided to record this as a phone call, which means that the audio quality is a bit poor this time around. Luckily, his end is better than mine, and I re-recorded the intro so you can understand what I'm saying there. But hopefully you still stick around and listen, because Josh has some really interesting things to say about his time in Italy this semester. Hello and welcome to the Corona Chronicles a podcast documenting the experience of living through the coronavirus pandemic of 2020. I'm Max Lee. Today is Monday, March 30th, and thank you for listening. Today I'll be talking to Josh Taylor, who spent the shortened semester in Italy, but first a quick update from the news. The major news over the weekend occurred on Sunday, when President Trump announced that the federal government would be extending their social distancing recommendations through at least April 30th. This is welcome news, albeit inconsistent with the messaging of the past week that aimed to reopen the country by Easter. Internationally, a new model from Imperial College in London updated their predicted death toll to a much lower number. However, it is still very uncertain how this will end as Asian countries who appeared to have the virus under control now worry about spikes caused from infected travelers. So now let's get into the interview with Josh. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Max. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Let's get into our first question. What was your semester like before coronavirus? Uh, my semester was quite nice. Uh, sad it had to get, you know, cut short, uh, but it was awesome. You know, again, to travel on the weekends, you know, studying during the week. Um, I couldn't complain. And so where exactly were you for your semester when you were in Italy? Oh, sure. That's probably pretty relevant. I was in Milan, Italy, which is in the Lombardy region of Italy, which is probably, I don't know if it is anymore, but was the biggest epicenter probably before New York. Yeah. I mean, Italy was, it seemed like it was getting hit particularly hard. And were you able to, especially in that region, but were you able to do any traveling before coronavirus started to take hold of the region? Uh, around Europe, around Italy. What do you mean? Either either one. Yeah, I mean before everything took in, uh, I was all over Europe. We went to uh, Amsterdam and London. Uh, we were able to travel to Rome. Um, one of my biggest, you know, regrets was not traveling more of Italy before uh, coronavirus settled in, um, because you weren't able to really get out of the region um, up up at, towards the end of my stay there. Gotcha, and. So when did you start to take this seriously, and it, when did coronavirus start to impact some of your plans? Yeah, I, I didn't really start to take things very seriously um, until probably pretty late. I would say around probably, what was that, March 8th, um, at which point I had already been out of Italy. Um, I, when I left Italy, I, I thought this was kind of an overreaction, and I was just being precautious. Um, but things really started to affect me when I was coming back from my trip, uh, in London, which was around February 25th. Um, I remember I was about to board the plane in London and, uh, we got an email, uh, from my school, which is Indiana university, um, talking about Italy being infected and I hadn't even heard of this. I had no idea this was going on. All I'd heard of coronavirus was some uh you know, some disease going on over in China. It wasn't really my concern. And then by the time I landed, I, I just for you know, for for gigs, I Googled coronavirus Italy and saw that it was absolutely exploding in um in the region I was studying in. Um 
things started to take effect there. Uh, everyone was concerned about traveling. Um, it was ill-advised that we really go anywhere, um, you know, inside Italy. Um, it, it was sad because everyone wanted to, you know, continue their traveling and, and whatnot. So a lot of people left Italy uh, right around then uh, to take a take kind of a, a break, a little step back in case things got bad. Um, me and a couple of friends actually went to Paris. What was that? Four days after I got back from London. At that point, classes had just gone online. We probably one of the first programs to start doing online um, classes, but we went to Paris, which someone would say was probably stupid. What if we couldn't get back in? But we were willing to do it. And so when did you actually leave Italy for, for good? For good. Um, so that wasn't until March so we were in Paris from the February 29th to March 3rd. Um, and by the time we were coming back from Paris, I had already booked my flight um, out of Italy, which was to London. Um, I figured we could hedge my bets in London, maybe stay in, in Europe a little bit longer. Um, I knew the UK didn't have that many cases. And if, um, you know, there were some form of travel restrictions, I knew that the UK and uh, the States had a, a fairly good relationship. Um, so I was out of Italy on March 6th. Yes. Gotcha. And so you went to London. Can you talk about the state that Italy was in at the time that you left? Could you tell, like, were social distancing efforts in place? Were, you know, were yeah. People, was it starting to really show visible effects on the region? Uh, I, I wish I could say it, it, it did. Um, you know, at this point, things were probably pretty bad. C keep in mind, though, there were no cases in Milan itself, at least at that time. Um, and we were still going out. We were still taking, you know, the metro and the public transportation. Um, we were still going to restaurants. Um, in full honesty, when we left, it, it, it didn't really feel like there was a, a pandemic, other than there was just less people out and about that was clearly visible. Um, there weren't that many people wearing masks, but there were. Um, but that was the strangest thing I remember saying the day before. Like, I, I don't feel ready to leave. It doesn't feel like anything's wrong with this place. Um, so that was, a, that was a strange feeling. And it, it was a very similar feeling leaving London, you know, when it was time to come back to the States. I remember going out and about and being like, it, it does not feel like there's a global pandemic here. You know, why am I getting out of here? But, you know, sure enough, two or <laughs> three days after both of those um trips uh things would get significantly worse and so in italy were there any orders or guidelines for social distancing that people were just ignoring or were there no guidelines yet not at, not at that time there was no guidelines um i think the only thing you know maybe suggested keeping your distance um you know wash your hands i think that was it Honestly, the U.S. Embassy, it may have only been the U.S. Embassy that was sending that out. I don't even know if it was an order from the Italian government itself. Um, and so yeah. then you went to London. What was London like? Was it, I, you, you mentioned a little bit earlier, but was it pretty much business as usual and you, were, you weren't there for any recommendations of social distancing yet? No, there was, at, London was even, was more mundane um, we arrived, you know, it was nice. You, you're here in English again. Um, and it, it felt like we were just back in the States, like nothing, nothing had happened. There was no pandemic, um, no precautions. There was nothing at the airport coming in. 
Um, it, it was it was a joke. I remember telling my parents when I got off the plane. We were out on the street within like you know maybe 15 minutes, and I was like, it, you know, I, I wish someone would care about this pandemic because it's reasons like this that it's spreading so quickly. You know, I got off the plane. And 15 minutes later, I'm on the street and there's no checks. No, you know, my temperature wasn't taken. No one asked me anything. And, and London was, was perfectly normal. You know, business as usual and everyone out and about doing things. Even, even as a plane coming from the Lombardy region? Coming from Lombardy region, no restrictions, nothing. And so that, just I was, I, that was March 6th, right? Uh, yes, March 6th. March 6th, and then Wednesday, March 11th, is when President Trump announced the European travel ban. And then when did you actually come home? It was the following Tuesday, correct? Uh, it was March 17th. What day is that? Yeah. Is it so Tuesday? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I have been in the States now for two weeks. My official quarantine ends today. Two weeks. Woohoo. Um okay. <laughs> so so what was your experience like booking that flight home um or i guess what let's go let's take it back a little bit further what what was your initial reaction to the announced travel ban yeah so i, I remember i it was just maybe the day before even earlier that day i was calling with my parents and they were like you know maybe you should come home from london and i was like i don't know i think i want to stay i think it's going to be all right i think this will blow over this is going to die down like I said, I wasn't really taking things seriously until the travel ban or the travel restrictions really came in. Um, and so I remember I was streaming, you know, President Trump on my laptop and, you know, he said, we're going to, you know, no flights from, from Europe. And I was just, just like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, God, got to call my mom. Um, so we instantly were frantically searching for flights and we're watching the prices increase. You know, flights are now $1,600 one way home from London. Um, you know, it, I talked to friends who were in Barcelona and, you know, that, that news came out and everyone flooded from the clubs, booked flights and got on, you know, got on a flight within a couple hours. Um, I was lucky I didn't. I didn't do that. I waited maybe an hour or two until a more um, more specific, detailed, um, you know, press release came out explaining what the restrictions entailed. And it said, it's not going to affect U.S. citizens and it's not going to affect the U.K. Um, so I was able to relax a little bit knowing that I was going to be able to get back into the States. Um, and I booked a flight for a little bit later in the week, knowing that the airports were going to be flooded for the, for the next couple of days. Gotcha. So you, you were in a similar boat to, to Cooper who saw the $2,500 flight and said, no, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances. Yeah. Um, it, it really didn't take that long for me to find out though, that, you know, those flights, um, I was going to have to take those flights. Um, it's really unfortunate, though, that we have a you know a president who's gonna you know, who says things like that. It causes serious panic of every single abroad student, you know, who instantly booked flights, some of which were like two thousand dollars, you know, yeah. making sure they can get home. Um, but if you waited like two hours to see the official thing, you know, yeah. you, you would have seen. Just how important consistent and accurate messaging is. Yeah. Um, um, that's been a little frustrating throughout this whole thing, honestly. Yeah. And then once you, so you got back 
to the United States on Tuesday the 17th. What was your airport mm-hmm. experience like landing there? Yeah. Where so on my flight back, I was on a, I was on a huge um, 787 plane holds a couple hundred people. And there's maybe like 20 or 30 of us on the plane. It was a massive plane with just a few of us on it. Um, and then we landed, uh, they bore, they, they got us off the plane 10 at a time. And then on the jetway was CDC or TSA. They were all suited up. Um, it's pretty horrifying, honestly. The first thing you do, you walk into the States and there's just people in, you know, masks and goggles and, you know, kind of like riot shields, uh, face masks. Um, and they took my temperature, asked me if I had felt okay. It's like, yeah, I feel all right. And then asked me if I'd been in contact with anyone who um, wasn't feeling all right. And I said, no, they gave you a little, uh, little slip. You go through customs. Um, and then you, you got to present that slip that says you got questioned and your temperature taken. You got to give that to uh, the customs officer. Uh, and then you're on your way. Uh, JFK was pretty empty. Honestly, that was one of the easiest JFK experiences I've ever had. You know, kind of funny. It was a global pandemic and it was, it was, it was breezy. Um, so that was that. Gotcha. And then you landed and you were, were you given orders for a strict two week quarantine period or is that just what you and your family decided was best? Um, I was instructed by the TSA to self quarantine for, uh, two weeks, but I mean, that was pretty, uh, there's no way to enforce, uh, they had no means of enforcing that. Um, but I decided with my family that was best as well. Um, I didn't want to see my, you know, my parents either, you know, they're older. I don't want to get some Corona if I had it. And then all this information came out about people being carriers and not knowing they had it. Um, and I definitely didn't want to give it to anyone in my family if I had it. Gotcha. And then, so what is your, your, your two weeks is pretty much up today. Um, what is your, what is your experience been like? Where have you been? What have you, what have you been doing during your days? That type of stuff. Yep. So my friend from Milan, his name is Carson. Um, we both flew to London together and then flew back to the States together. Um, my parents were able to drop a car off at JFK. Um, and we drove to his beachfront house in Virginia, which has not been too bad. So I've been there for the past two weeks, um, doing online class, which is miserable. I miss going to real class. I hated class, you know, hated going to class then, but boy, I think it's worse now. I don't know if you feel the same, Max. Um, so it's been online class. I had midterms, which I had to take here, which was, which has been fine, but, um, it's, it's been pretty relaxing, plenty of space, um, getting to play the guitar, which I've been learning. This is a no better time to, to get better at the guitar than now. Um, but I'm ready to ready to go home soon. I'm gonna leave in uh, tomorrow to go back to Connecticut. It'll be nice to see the family and you know, proceed with with that quarantine. Yeah. And so you were you were with your with your friend for the quarantine period. How did you guys handle basic necessities like groceries and gas and that type of stuff? Yeah. Um, so. We didn't leave the facility, but Carson's parents were able to come and drop off food fairly regularly. Um, so we didn't really need to do that. And honestly, down here in Virginia, things um, are pretty mundane. When we first got here, it was as if there was not a pandemic. All shops and everything was open. Everyone was out and about. 
since then now almost all public places are closed. Um, except, but, for Liberty uh, we, except for what? Except for Liberty. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Um, so there wasn't really a problem. Getting gas was fine. You know, everyone's just being cautious. You know, I've seen a lot of people wearing masks and using hand sanitizer, but I haven't really gone outside um, except to get better Wi-Fi in the library parking lot or to get gasoline for my car. Gotcha. And then how would you say the American response to coronavirus has differed from the Italian response? Yeah. So I, I think the American response has been a lot more proactive. Um, I don't know if it feels that way. Maybe you can comment on that. But I know in Italy, it, everything felt very uh, reactive. It's getting bad. Now we're doing this. Um, people are dying. Now we're doing this. Whereas in the States, I think we had kind of um, the luxury of, of getting it later than you know other parts of the world. Um, you know, so we were able to prep, you know, New York was doing all the, you know, prep at the Javits Center and, and, you know, bringing in the boat. Um, so in that way, I think it's been a lot more proactive, um, the orders to stay at home and, you know, social distancing, uh, has been handled better in the States. I know, um, in Italy right now, if you're outside of your apartment and you are not going to the grocery store you can be fined from the government. There's police officers patrolling. You'll be fined, I think, 2,000 2, euros, um, which is about $2,000 and a little more. Um, you know, they're taking things much more seriously because it's gotten so bad. And, uh, you know, nice that the U.S. has the luxury of, uh, you know, being proactive, getting it later, and being able to social distance so, you know, we can mitigate some of that risk. Yeah, I guess part of the issues we don't necessarily know how proactive we were because we weren't testing until very recently. Um, Agreed. But I do, I do think like we were, we at least got the social distancing orders before our hospitals were completely overflowing and that, that type of stuff. So yeah, I would agree. Um, we've been a little more proactive. Yes. Agreed. And then do you have any insight as to, I guess you've sort of given some of it throughout, but I guess a little bit more specifically, do you know why Italy has fared so poorly? Yeah, I, I think there's a couple things. Um, you know, everyone's everyone's first thing to say uh, about Italy is the, is the culture of being very personable and touchy-feely and huggy. I, I, I think that's part of it and maybe where the initial spread started, but I, as soon as things started getting bad, um, I mean, that stopped. I mean, you could say the same thing in the States with like handshakes. People stopped, uh, you know, touching each other um, in general when things started getting bad. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, the delayed government response, like I said, being very reactive and not proactive, I think is another. Um, <laughs> there's seems to be this culture in, in a lot of Europe, which is sneezing and coughing into your hands instead of your elbow is very acceptable. Um, you're, you're looked at as being weird if you sneeze into your, or, or cough into your elbow. That alone could be a huge contributing factor. Um, countless times throughout my time in Milan, I would see people sneeze and cough into their hands, you know, kind of rub their hands together to dry it, and then, like, go and touch, you know, doorknobs, and you're in the metro, touch the poles. It's absolutely disgusting. 
Um, <laughs> no, no wonder the virus is spreading. Everyone is coughing into their hands and then touching things. Um, so there's that. And then a, a, another bit was that once the government did decide to mandate um, a sense of distancing, you know, the supermarkets were soon, you know, fairly empty. Um, and so they're being restocked. But when people go to the supermarkets, uh, you have to wait in line to get to the supermarkets. And now you have masses amount of people um, who are standing outside of the supermarkets. Um, and the, the, the legally required distance is three feet, which probably isn't enough. You know, if someone's coughing, three feet's not going to do anything. So, you, you know, you have a ton of people standing super close together just to get the basic necessities of food. Um, I, I think all those factors together uh, have led to, um, you know, the virus spreading, you know, more quickly than other places. Interesting. Yeah, I think there there could be a real divide in the United States between cities and suburban and rural areas, um, mm. just because of the, the the nature of these of disease spreading. It's going to be a lot in a population that's denser. You're going to have a lot more spread, and you're going to have a lot, you know, hopefully. Hopefully, a, a more dense population means a more dense population of hospital beds, but we'll, it'll, that'll certainly be something to watch. And, and I imagine that it's similar in Italy, where the urban areas were hit a little bit harder. Is, is Lombardy a particular, is it a more urban region than the rest of the country? Um, yes, Milan became a, a, a super popular city and a lot of business and commerce has um, moved to Milan from Rome. Um, so that's got super populated as well as the suburbs around it. Um, so, but, but like I said, surprisingly, it wasn't in Milan. That really wasn't where the epicenter was um, when it was first getting bad. I think it's everywhere now. Um, so I'm a little curious as to why that was. Interesting. I, w I thought I would have thought Milan would have been the first spot, but wasn't the case. Interesting. And then you've gotten a chance to experience this from a lot of different angles, a lot of different places. You've seen a lot of different responses. Um, throughout this, has there been anything that has given you hope uh, through all your experiences? Um, yeah. Uh, I've had, throughout my time, you know, towards the end of my time in Europe and even in here, I've had somewhat limited Wi-Fi um and service which has been interesting not getting um constant news updates uh and really seeing what the world is doing on social media but the time that i have um what has given me hope is, is seeing uh how together the world is coming um you know i love seeing clothing brands starting to make masks um i started following formula one and i saw that uh, the Formula One team started manufacturing ventilators. Um, things like that have given me hope. Um, I think, you know, it's not very often the world really comes together, but in certain circumstances like these, you know, people are sending help across the world. Um, you know, people are manufacturing things to help other countries across the world. Um, and so for those reasons, I would say I've gained a sense of hope. All right. And then last question that I asked pretty much all of the guests, uh, what do you think the world looks like on July 1st of this year? Yeah, honestly, um, not very different than this. Uh, wh what are we in now? What's the, uh, 
we're in about so it's been almost three weeks since the travel ban declaration yeah i mean i we're not we're we haven't even hit supposedly the apex of the curve yet is that correct correct yeah, supposed to. there's there's a lot of different projections for when that will occur but none of them are now um yeah i i could see this things being very similar to to, to the way they are now um I don't think we'll really be able to go outside much. I assume it'll be, hopefully it'll be similar, at least to those where you can, you know, still get food and still go to the supermarket. Um, But I, I don't see things getting very much better uh, for a little bit longer than, than uh, July 1st. Yeah. I think I might be inclined to agree with you. And what'll be interesting to see is, you know, if we're doing the social distancing and it's working, then the pandemic won't seem that bad, right? Because it's because our our efforts are working, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be doing them anymore. So it'll be interesting. Totally to agreed. See. Totally agreed. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting I mean, to see if people can continue those efforts while like knowing that the pandemic maybe isn't as bad as they expected or think warrants the the major uh, the major restrictions. Yeah, I mean, I think the most dangerous thing we could do is when things start to seem better is is release the restrictions. Um, but I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm guilty of that feeling when I was in Milan and I was in London and, you know, I'm outside and I was like, it doesn't feel like there's a pandemic. Like, I, I just want to go out and do things because it doesn't it doesn't feel bad. I'm, you know, I don't I'm not seeing it. I'm not feeling it. Um, so, you know, I think the U.S. has to be cautious of that. Yeah, and it, I think that also shows how messaging from the government and implementing restrictions is so important because it's not like it's not like you're an idiot or that you're malicious and about like put our, we're, we're selfishly going out. It's just if things aren't closed and if leaders aren't taking it seriously, then why should everyday people take it seriously? Absolutely, totally agree. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. Hopefully, things are are lessened a little bit by July 1st and hopefully that there's a reason for it and it doesn't get worse because of it. But uh, thank you so much for joining me, Josh. It's been really fun. Thank you so much, Max. And thank you to everybody that was listening. This has been the Corona Chronicles and we'll be back again tomorrow with another episode.